You know the dark side. Anakin, if one is to understand the great mystery, one must study all its aspects, not just the dogmatic, narrow view of the Jedi. Blind we are. If creation of this clone army, we could not see. I think it is time we informed the Senate that our ability to use the Force is diminished. I see now I've done terrible things. But you started when you murdered my father. I'll never forgive you. Mm. Well, you're going to have to. Take him away. You are on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. This is outrageous. It's unfair. How can you be on the council and not be a master? Take a seat, young Skywalker. Anakin did not take to his new assignment with much enthusiasm. It's very dangerous putting them together. I don't think the boy can handle it. I don't trust him. In the name of the Galactic Senate of the Republic, you're under arrest, Chancellor. Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? The Senate will decide your fate. I am going to end this once and for all. He has control of the Senate and the courts. He's too dangerous to be left alive. If the Jedi is failure, hypocrisy, hubris. That's not true. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. It was a Jedi Master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. To the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. All right, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to the Chiss Ascendancy. If you're listening via audio, you know that Samo's with us. It's always great to have Samo on the pod. Yep, and we. today is episode 81. And wow. uh, man, we're going to get to that 100 if it kills us. <laughs> um, but we're on we episode 81 a, uh... today. We got to do a big, like, spectacular where we look back at our favorite memories from all the other episodes. Yeah, it's got to be something something incredible. The episode that everybody always skips over when they're watching, like, a TV show. We got to do one of those. (laughs) Our first 100 episodes. What's it look like? (laughs) Yeah. It always made me wonder, too, like, if you say over your first 100 episodes, does this technically have to be the 101st episode? You know what I mean? Like, anyways. Uh, Including this one. Right, exactly. Our first 100 episodes, including the one we're doing now. Uh, But today's topic is actually a little bit uh, spicy. It's the narrow, dogmatic view of the Jedi, as spoken by Sheev himself. And uh, but before we get into the nitty gritty of the episode, we wanted to do a little bit of news. And. What we've got is something that came out just recently. Uh, I want to say it was uh, Wednesday night or Wednesday during the day. The Star Wars channel on YouTube has a really cool thing that they do. I want to say it's monthly. Sometimes they miss a month, but pretty regularly, uh, once every four weeks or so, they do the High Republic show, which is actually really fun. Um, If you guys haven't been watching that, if you're a fan of the High Republic, um, the High Republic show is definitely must listen to or must, must must watch material. 
um, because you get news, you get upcoming things. You And the cool thing is the host does a sit down, like a Zoom or something like that. Obviously, it's probably not Zoom, but uh, she does a sit down with all of the characters. Are you Yuri Poof right now? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's this guy doing, man? Oh, that's funny. He's just Yuri Poofing it. Uh, uh. That's funny. Um, so, uh, we got some cover art for the very first installment of the next phase. So we just finished phase one of the high Republic, uh, which ended with the fallen star or midnight horizon, depending on obviously, I guess midnight horizon technically is later than fallen star, but, uh, the fallen star is the final adult novel for that. Um, so we're going 150 it's the last years one backwards worth investing your time in. Yeah. Midnight horizon was, was, was it decent. Was... It was, but I've seen, I've seen a lot of people I would online. Say, um, I would put say like, they're struggling, like asterisks around the young part of young adult novel on that one. It was like very, it's very, uh, very relationship based. It was very kiddie. It really was. Um, I think that it's. I think um, I really like Daniel Jose Older, and I like the High Republic adventure stuff that he did. But when the first young adult book that comes out is Into the Dark, it's really hard to follow that up. Dude, um, that novel is fantastic. Into the Dark, I remember reading Light of the Jedi and then Into the Dark and being like, these are both so – I couldn't really yeah, decide between the two like, of them, honestly. I felt – well, I you know, and if you like really, really look at it, um, the full novel felt more like a full novel. It felt like watching a Star Wars movie. You know, it felt mm -hmm, like mm – -hmm this like cinematic experience that you're really sucked into. And there's like a lot of things going on and it feels like more austere and a lot more involved. Um, but in the dark, as far as young adult novels go, was also very uh, inviting and it really, yeah. you know, I was drawn into I the think... story without feeling like I was being um, pandered to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like, um, you know, a lot of young adult stuff is like very, very, very relational based. And I felt like there were some really great relationships built. But I think that Claudia Gray did an amazing job of balancing like it's a parental type relationship with Master Comac and Reith Silas. Yeah. And it's it's lateral or it's, you know, it's a coming of age story with, you know, Affie Hollow. And mm -hmm. uh, we were introduced to our favorite character of all time, Geode. And his stoic <laughs> solitude and his stoic strength. Does the podcast um, know about my uh, my geode-based Dungeons & Dragons character? Uh, no, they don't. I, uh, I was listening to um, the last what uh, Fallen Star. I was driving and I texted my friend Colt um, and I said, how funny would a geode D&D character be? Cause you got to like do all these moves, you know, based on he wasn't right. moved an inch, you know, like you couldn't tell he was reacting at all. He kept like a straight poker face. So I, you know, strength. Made, just made this hilarious characters. It was a great deal of fun. It was so funny in the fallen. I think it was the fall. Yeah. The fallen star. I think fallen star. Uh, he came alive. Oh yeah. Well, you had Claudia gray writing the adult novel, mm -hmm. you know, um, it was really funny whenever – I can't remember the character's name, but basically that Jack Wagon who was trying to like take over Starlight Beacon when it was already blown in half. And he was like – he was sick of Geode's uh, you know, quiet sarcasm or some crap like yeah, that. Dude. And he shoots at Geode and it was like – and right on time, Geode was ready and magnetized <laughs> himself because apparently his species can like make themselves like magnetized or not. Yeah, they can, they can um, be uh, magnetically sealed. Yeah, That's exactly. That's hilarious. Magnetize, would you like to? Magnetize. Would, I'm just gonna, for the sake of all the listeners, um, list the the character traits that I created for him. Yeah. So, d uh, d what's the character's name? Uh, oh, frick, what was the character's name? I don't even Rocky? remember. Tbh. Um, Stone. I didn't take a picture of it, and I don't remember. He's got my. Uh, he's got. Uh, we'll figure out some way to announce it if we need to. Um, okay. So personality traits I wrote steadfast, weathered by experience, <laughs> a diamond in the rough, magnetic personality. That's uh, amazing. Ideals gather no moss, lose no mass, get near a hard place. <laughs> uh <laughs> bonds the poles and non precious metals. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even trying to be sneaky at that point. I know, it's so on the nose. And then flaws 
a bit dense, a little obtuse, very closed minded. <laughs> Other Heavier proficiencies in language, uh, nonverbal communication emits a natural resonance due to internalized friction and anatomic structure. Oh, that's amazing. The, the, the piece of uh, Le Piste de Resistance, he was a, a bard. So he's which, a storyteller? Yeah, he's like, uh, their magic comes from like their musical talents. That's really funny. <laughs> oh, that's Classic. So funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. So was, is Colt in your D&D group? Uh, he invited me to a night where uh, he was asked to to DM for like a couple of my other friends. And he's like, do you want to come? And I was mm. like, absolutely. I do want to be involved in that. That's funny. Um, man, we got so off track there because we just love Geode. I love um, him so much. So in the, in the latest High Republic show uh, episode came out a couple of days ago, they, re- they revealed the cover art um for this upcoming young adult novel and this one's by mm-hmm. justina ireland and then one of the new i think there's three or four new authors that they're bringing into the fold um and uh her name is tessa gratton and of the four i want to say three of them have written star wars before whether it's like um the guy that i'm really excited for i think his name is george mann if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um i could be wrong but uh i'm excited for him because his writing stuff so far has been Myths and Fables, um, some of those other ones that are like the really crazy, like um, Sith from a thousand years ago, like the Star Wars, like kind of horror story type things. Yeah, um, like uh, Joe Schreiber. Yeah, kind of. Like, I, I would say probably the most we've delved into that style of Star Wars since Joe Schreiber was in the fold. Um, what a beautiful But man. the book that they revealed the cover for is called Path of Deceit. It's going to be a young adult novel. Um, but the characters on the on the cover are really That's interesting. So you have a yeah, you have a Pantoran Jedi. If you're looking at the cover, it's on your mm-hmm. left. Um, and I, I think it's a Padawan. I think it's a young man, and he's got a yellow lightsaber. So that's really cool. That is. And then cool. on the far right, um, you have a character uh, by the name of. Sorry, I'm reading it here. You have a character named do 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 Marta Rowe. Um, she's Everini, so she's the same race, species, right. whatever, and, and obviously related name, somehow to Mark. Yeah, you, would, you would think that there is some familial relation, right? So, I don't know if that's this is supposed to be 150 years before, so this could be his grandmother, his great grandmother. We don't really know. Well, and she, I think she looks um, really sweet on the cover, but that's obviously probably deceiving considering right. the book's called The Path of Deceit. Well, and we have the um, it, I don't know how, how much have you talked about the uh the Martian Rowe comic line, but um, it unpacks how his, you know, species, species or family, I mean, it's kind of intertwined because it seems like a, almost like a Spartan type race. It's very, uh, very tight knit, very exclusive almost, if you can say that about a species, but um, they have this somehow intimate relationship uh, with force users. So I wonder mm-hmm. if this is going to play into that at all. If um, obviously she would be a pariah of some sort amongst her kind, just because there's the, it's like a stigma, you know what I mean? Like they hate the Jedi. Yeah. Well, what's so, so interesting is I know that you haven't watched that episode of the star Wars, uh, the higher public show, but something that was really interesting is they mentioned that they're on the planet Dalna and mm-hmm. Dalna is known to be anti force users, specifically Jedi. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if she'll be there and kind of be like, uh, you remember that movie, The Mist, where there was the lady who claimed to All be a Christian, well. and she, you know what I'm talking about? And she's like the crazy yeah. Christian lady. The typical, and then she killed Star Killer. Yeah, what the frick? Anyways, um, poor Sam. Yeah, I always hated that. But uh, I wonder if she's going to be that type of character where she looks sweet and she's, she mm-hmm. acts like she has everyone's best interest in heart, but. It's really to kill the Jedi. Anyways, none of that matters because the character in the middle is this random woman. Um, I'm trying to look at the picture on my phone. So she's this random lady. Uh, she's got a white dress on with like a blue cape. Um, she's got this long, beautiful neck, this tan skin. And the character's name, I'll read you the the description from StarWars.com. It says, cover art for the young adult novel Star Wars The High Republic, Path of Deceit, written by uh, Gradden in Ireland, features a Pantoran Jedi, a character known only as 
the mother and a new Everini character, Marta Rowe, for the story that returns us to the planet Dalna to meet a new group, the path of the open hand. Now, we've got to stay on track because we got some important business to discuss with the Jedi. But this reminded me of the ones, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, who's missing the Clone Wars, right? Who's missing? And here's what's crazy is a lot of people who love legends, uh, Novels, this is the part I'm really excited about. Right. A lot of people who love Legends uh, material never really make it to the end of Legends material. In the last full series, uh, there's a book called Crucible that is the very last book. But the last series we got was called The Fate of the Jedi. And the uh, the, the um, antagonist of that whole series, like there's all this crazy stuff going on. There's a lost tribe of the Sith that you meet and you're like, Oh, these are clearly the bad guys, Mm -hmm. but the true ultimate power that I guess this is a spoiler, but it's been out for like over a decade. So whatever, but, um, it's been out for more a long time. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. I guess they were coming out when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, the real antagonist is a character named Abeloth. Now, mm-hmm. Abeloth is important because she was just a normal human woman, and I don't really know that she had a name. They just called her the servant, and somehow she ends up in the presence of the ones, and I believe it's on Mortis, and um, she helps be a peacekeeper because, as we know, the father's trying to keep the peace, but the son right. and the daughter are constantly at each other because they're an embodiment of the dark and the light side of the force. And she falls in love with this family, not necessarily romantically in love with the father or anything like that, but she just loves being a part of this family. She loves the Can role you that she's playing. Falling romantically in love with Father Time from Type to Learn Two. Type to Learn Two. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard at the end of third grade Reader Rabbit, you mean? Yeah, a freaking Dumbledore <laughs> in a space time car. Um, so it's so interesting because she uh there's there's two uh big force nexuses on um this planet where they live we assume it's mortis i can't remember if it's named it's been a long time since i've read that series but you have the uh the let's see the well of knowledge i want to say let's see you have um the well of power excuse me and the font of or the well of power and the pool of knowledge so she drinks from the well of power and that gives her force abilities i i assume and the pool of knowledge and so what she's she's hunting for immortality to be able to spend time with this family that she loves right and similar to she has kind of a similar line to savage where he's just trying to protect his kinsmen and yeah then the witches turn into this monster that he really isn't. Yeah, but definitely. The, the servant becomes something that the family calls the mother for a time being. And then to, that's funny. Dude, that is him. <laughs> I can't believe you remembered that. Um, But as she drinks and bathes in this, this uh, forced nexuses, she becomes uh, this twisted, like powerful force user who can use the light and the dark, but she's unbalanced. Mm-hmm. She's like the opposite of the father. And she turns into this, uh, this character named Abeloth. And Abeloth is like this ambiguous, like evil cloud. Mm-hmm. But when she takes physical form, she's like a beautiful woman. But if you catch her in the right light, she's got this crazy mouth that like goes all the way up to her ears. So my question is, and we'll move on after this question. This is the main news, but it was kind of juicy, and I wanted to theorize with you. Yeah, I'm going to well, try to I make a YouTube short over this, but I, I wanted yeah. to dive into deeper thought that's longer than 60 seconds as well. Right. Do you well, think they're I, connecting these two, or do you think it's just complete happenstance? It's hard to say. Um, for anyone who cares, Josiah and I came to this conclusion on our own. Like completely separately, we made this tie that we saw this powerful, I, I presume powerful force user who they refer to as the mother, you know, and that's where my mind goes automatically. It's hard to kind of separate the two just because, you know, that's who, that's who that character is. And so right. um, it seems like they've tried to revitalize some of the, uh, some of the legends material, what with the, um, what are they calling them? The, uh, the anti-force cats. Um, oh, the Islamiri? Well, no, I, I remember the Islamiri, the um, the levelers. 
Oh yeah. That just uh yeah, an organic I guess life the, form that has some ability to manipulate the force. You know what I right. mean? Right. And it's interesting. And not because just like the force the, as a force user, but like yeah. as an entity. You know what I mean? It's different. What's interesting bit. is it seems like the leveler is the tool that you use to control the creatures, which are known as um man, I can't remember what they're called. so one thing that I guess they're known as whenever you um Let's see. The nameless. The nameless. That's what it was. Is one of the names <laughs> that, that I couldn't remember that that they're given. Ironic. But the the Shriekere, Yeah, yeah. That's so one of the things I that they, would uh, love that they to see about. them kind of move that direction. It seems like they're kind of touching on the more um, powerful but less often utilized aspects of the force. What with the display we saw from Loden Great Storm. Um, just some really, really, really cool stuff to um, yeah, I kind of tapping if, into the dark side for our right. boy. Um, what's his name? Elzar. Yeah, I wonder if the mother's character is like the creator of the nameless. You know what I mean? Or like. Um, I would say not based on the comics because they seem to have been discovered on that planet. Um, well, that's the thing, though, is that like Mark, Martian, Markion, however you want to say it. He takes his crew back to that planet to find him, mm -hmm. but the mother is 150 years before that. Maybe she's the one that either discovered them or created them or whatever. Yeah. It's hard for me to buy into the idea that 150 I don't think years so either. is long I just enough think to it's, forget. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I think that um, – Because even that, then I still feel like maybe Yoda would have been involved to some degree. He would still been like, what, 250 at that point? Um, No, he's 900 years basically during the regular trilogy so mm -hmm. he's 870 or 80 in the prequels that's 250 years before or 200 years before that he's 700 like he's still freaking 500 plus years old during yeah so i mean he's been this... around the block a couple times you know what i mean but so... it is interesting to me like maybe the mother's the one that discovers them or i don't know it's just you know and it, obviously we're spitballing here thinking mm -hmm. of how could this character be something similar to Avaloth. Yeah. Maybe it's something um, completely different, but that's where my mind could, goes, you know? Yeah, 100%. And it's and with the thing is that's so strange is when the Legacy of the Four series was coming out, um, I'd have to look at the dates, but it feels like they were trying to tie in that series and this powerful character with the Clone Wars that was airing at the time. Um, but it was cool to be reading those books because I, I actually read them, I think, post-Disney Purchase. And it was really cool to me that these characters um, were tied back and forth. Mm -hmm. But to me, obviously, in a galaxy that's millions of planets and billions of people wide, yeah. trillions of people wide, probably. Oh, yeah, um, easily. I mean, well, because you think about it, like, I mean, if every planet has like an average population of what Earth is now, and we're pushing, what, 9 billion right. now? I think that there's – I think there's – I could be wrong. I want to say there's trillions just on Coruscant, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it's or like it's a hundred billion. It's something New crazy. York, you know what I mean? They're like so, hundreds of yeah. levels on top of each other. It's insane. Um, but it makes me wonder. Like, of course, the but Star Wars is also like one of the complaints that a lot of people make is that Star Wars is this giant galaxy, but we have like twelve characters that we use. Yeah, they so, can suck it. That that yeah, that being the you mean the case most that, interesting twelve characters? Yeah, I love it. Right. That being the usual writing style, it makes me think if you have a character that's just the mother, it would make sense that she is somehow related or a part of the ones or somehow affiliated yeah. with father, son, daughter. Could be wrong, but that's some newsy news. Um, so <laughs> let's get let's get hey, down to the nitty gritty because that's 20 minutes of one news article we talked about. Quick, um, I, I recalled the name of the character. I may you may have saw me early on in the newsy news segment go. I remembered the name of the character. <clears throat> Would you care to know the name of that character? Of course. It was the boulder inspired by uh, Amazing. Avatar. The last Avatar. Avenger. <laughs> and I only talked about him in the third person as well. I would only say the boulder wants to blah, blah, blah. The boulder doesn't like that idea. That's funny. It's funny because whenever the boulder talks in third person as you're playing D&D, yeah. &D, <laughs> You could say the boulder such and such, and it's funny because it's a character, but exactly. you're also looking at a rock. Exactly. That's amazing. I know. It was it was uh, a lot of levels that it worked on. So let's get into this idea, this concept of um, 
let's uh sorry i'm getting a, a crazy text um, let's get into my chest i didn't realize how loud that would be so <laughs> apologies for my gross scratching noises sorry guys that reminds me of uh singing in the rain where it's like <laughs> it reminds me of that um so like the mic's closer than we think or the pearls <laughs> were like <laughs> um anyways such, getting that joke was so ahead of its time man oh for sure uh talking about the narrow and dogmatic view of the jedi um the reason that i i was reaching out to you about this concept is because i just finished um, one of the highest rated Star Wars novels of all time, specifically for Legends. It's considered an essential. Um, and it's Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. And it's focused around the character of Mace Windu. Now, I'm probably in the minority, but the more I know about Mace Windu, the less I like the guy. And uh, I feel about Mace the opposite I feel about Obi-Wan. What do you mean? Like, Obi-Wan Kenobi was my favorite character as a kid. And it was kind of arbitrary. As I've gotten older and I've gotten to know more about the character, his age is like a fine wine. Like from yeah. the character itself to the actor who portrays him, I absolutely love him to death. And I could not be more excited for the Kenobi series coming out next month. Oh, dude, it's a fast approaching, but not fast enough. But the like the more I watch Mace's character, and especially as I watch him as an adult, you know, like as a kid, I was like, I don't know, maybe I just like compartmentalized him as like how all adults were kind of stifling. And mm -hmm. then like as I got to be an adult, I'm like, this guy's just a prick. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, like I was thinking that too. I was thinking over and I was actually talking to Chance about it pretty recently, but he's walking through the Clone Wars and he's just mm -hmm. gotten through the part where Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order mm -hmm. and Anakin's like fighting hand over fist for his Padawan, and Plo Koon's mm -hmm. like, This doesn't seem like Ahsoka. And Mace Windu's like, she's probably guilty. Like, no no defense of the Jedi whatsoever. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is um, I think that, I don't know. I feel like Yoda, you know, Dooku says that Yoda's the problem. That, like, to have a, such a fall from grace and you're the guy in charge, like, that's on your watch. Um, but I was thinking about the Jedi and I was thinking about the higher public and I was thinking – how crazy it is that – so this book Shatterpoint that came out, you know, when the prequels are at their peak. Like I think mm -hmm. it came out either between two and three or after three. Probably between two and three is my guess. And it's all about how Mace Windu has this ability that pretty much nobody else can use called Vapod. And anybody else that uses it falls to the darkness. He's the only one who can get that close and not go over the edge. Right. And it gives him the ability to – see the shatter point of a droid's armor or more specifically a situation. He can see like, um, you know, at the beginning of the book, he's having this reoccurring nightmare where he's in Geonosis and mm -hmm. he's walking up just like in the movie where you just see his footsteps and you've got Django Fett and you've got Dooku right there. And in the moment he sees the shatter point of the entire Clone Wars and it's Dooku. And if he would have killed Dooku, it would have shattered the clone wars going forward mm -hmm. and well, but he and, doesn't um, want to kill dooku so he puts the blade in in his dream jango fett is the most he says jango fett's the most dangerous non-force user in the galaxy he actually mm -hmm. says the most dangerous man but we're assuming he means not jedi or sith and he says if i take my blade and i kill dooku without dooku knowing or whatever immediately jango fett guns me down but the clone wars are kept from happening and the galaxy is saved and he um so dooku's the shatter point of that situation basically is the point i'm getting to that he well, can see we, uh, not just shatter points of individuals or armor or a ship or whatever but entire situations how do we keep this from happening how do we implode this toxic situation or whatever i think we see uh shatter point makes an appearance in some pop culture things as well uh, if you do a jump attack in Battlefront 2 2005, uh, mm -hmm. you'll see that there is like a, a window oh, yeah. shattering effect on whatever surface you land on. Or I think in the 2D uh, Clone Wars, the, the Cartoon Network version, uh, or as people are calling it later, uh, the Tarkovsky version, uh, mm -hmm. I believe we see some of that in the General Grievous introductory scene. 
Hmm. Or uh, maybe it wasn't Jim Grievous. The, the one where he's like disassembling droids, you know, like by using the oh, first yeah, time yeah, screw yeah. their bolts. He's um, he's on like a Lothal type planet. Yeah, so he I does. think that's actually I th- Dantooine. I, I think he uses that ability in that scene as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he uses he uses something that's very interesting. I I always just thought he was using like the martial arts that a Jedi would learn, but it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense that because the battle droids are made of metal and things like mm-hmm. he would find their weak point and like karate chop it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, as I'm reading this book, I'm, I'm thinking about it as I'm, you know, you know how I go back and forth between like reading on my iPad and then listening to the audiobook in the car and things like that. As I'm yeah. reading, as I'm listening, I'm like this guy, like he's, and especially since we've gotten the high Republic where we have characters like, skier who even though the force is being cut off from him mm-hmm. like he's making the right call and things well he's like still that. a servant of the force even though it's being removed from him you know what i mean and that like right. there's this idea that um the will of the force is more important than any individual's um connection to it or ability to use it or well-being even that he's like you know even in uh like he sees his being cut off from the force as the will of the force so that he can uniquely you know, interact with these beings who prey on force users. You know what I mean? So it's just like a right, a completely new level of trust in the will of the force almost as, as opposed to like, um, I, I may be jumping ahead here, but if we look at um, what we would consider to be the Jedi ethic, right? That mm-hmm. the defining difference between a Sith and a Jedi, especially in like the legends texts. And, and I'm really thinking about the Bane trilogy is a dark side force user will take the force and bend it to their will. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. the the idea that they're in control of the force, even though if you look at it from a big picture point of view, the for, the dark side of the force is still manipulating them. But right. It's the idea but that they they're bending they're the force to their them. will. Right. And yeah. then the similar idea of the like, Jedi. Right. Similar like a Kyber yeah. crystal, like they exactly. feel like they're using the force the same way. Exactly. And and the will the Jedi is that they're the servants of the will of the force. That there's this right. you know idea that um whatever the force wills. That's why there's peace. There's no emotion. Mm-hmm. And um, as we see the Jedi ideology kind of shift in episodes one through three, we have the idea that, um, you know, whatever the prophecy is, we're going to try and make it kind of like come together for whatever we think it ought to mean. You know what I mean? It's right. almost I- ideological to their benefit as opposed to them being in a position of servitude. And I think yeah, that that's have- maybe like the the shifting point. Yeah, it's interesting because as I'm reading this book, there's moments where just like his character, like, okay, the things that Mace is doing, that's like in his mind being like, see, I am a Jedi Master. The things he's doing in that book are the things that we see characters like Avar Chris doing Mm -hmm. that are showing us she's losing it. Like Mm -hmm. Avar Chris is the character that the beautiful part of the first phase of the High Republic is – you have Stellan you Geos see who is peak. yeah yeah right you have Stellan Geos who is like basically the perfect Jedi if, mm-hmm. you know essentially and like he has things that he struggles with but pretty much like other than just like self doubt and things like he's the perfect Jedi like willing mm-hmm. to sacrifice himself for the greater good all these other things you have Avar Chris who seems to be a little bit more crumbly under pressure her anger starts to show and things like that and then you have Elzar Man who's kind of on the outside looking in. Of... He's, he's kind of like the archetype or like the type and shadow of, uh, of what we have in Qui-Gon Jinn when we get to ex- experience his character kind of be on the fold of episode one when we shift into the experimentation and the, the basically really delving into what the Force would offer him both in like texts, like in the books and, and in um, Clone Wars and specifically. <laughs> Right. Well, what I guess what I mean by his arc is like he's the guy that's a little bit different from everybody else. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the Fallen Star, even though he's had his brush with the darkness, mm-hmm. he's not excommunicated for it. Like his friends are concerned, yeah. and he's the one that ends up being the one who's like calm under pressure. Yeah, and like he makes mistakes still. Yeah. But what's so interesting is the um. Okay, so like in the comics, for instance, there's a moment where Avar Chris is like, I just got to kill Lorna D. There's nothing else to it. And Keith Trinis, who's a upcoming trending Jedi, is like, you can't do this. This is wrong. Um, Mace Windu in the jungle, he's like uh, of this 
planet he's on. It's it's actually his home planet. It's the planet that he's actually from, which makes mm-hmm. it like I guess that adds depth to the book or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, he's like, get out of my way or be removed, and it's like, and I can't tell if it's like the characters written that way because that's Samuel L. Jackson or mm-hmm. if you know. It's interesting to me that like you're seeing I know we're seeing his weakness in the book and that's part of the growth of the character, but it's like this guy's like the co-leader of the Jedi Council. And I just feel like in the prequels, it's the most Jedi we've gotten, but it's also like the worst of the Jedi that we ever experience. And it's so interesting because I think Mace like like I said, Dooku thinks that Yoda's the problem, but I think that in a way Mace Windu's the friend in the group that like everybody could want to go to Burger King, but Mace is like, nah, we're going to McDonald's and everybody's like, (laughs) yeah, we'll go to McDonald's. Like, I feel like every time there's something happening, like Qui-Gon brings this young boy in who's clearly the chosen one, his midi-chlorian counts off the scales. Why we're only counting midi-chlorian count when recruiting Jedi. I don't know. Like that's another (laughs) issue, but uh, Qui-Gon's like, this is the one. He is the chosen one. And Yoda's like, maybe he is the chosen one. And Obi-Wan's like, I don't like the look of him. And like, then he, the first thing he does instead of trusting in the force is he holds up an iPad and he's like, what am I looking at? And Anakin's like, uh, a ship, a uh, cup, uh speeder. And I can't like, I can't like, get out of my mind. Mace's dejected look like, well, frick, like he, he passed the <laughs> test. Now I have to freaking have this kid around here. It's just weird to me that like, he's supposed to be the poster boy for strength on the Jedi council. And he's, he's like kind of a piece of crap, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't know. You can kind of like analyze it from a literary point of view where there's gotta be the, uh, the contrarian, you know, if we look at like the legends material, especially in like, um, the books that happen after the air, the empire trilogy, where we have Akbar, who's, you know, kind of an important person in like the new Republic. And he's just like a prick to everybody. You know what I mean? But in action, he was like a really useful and reliable individual. I think you just kind of have to expect to have that kind of character around. You know what I mean? That there's just right. the guy that, yeah. you just, that you is do have really, to have really good at what he does. Fill. Yeah, it's. I think it's like on a chart where you would call like a high performance, low trust individual that like somebody mm. that you wouldn't really in a in a pinch prefer to have your back, but they're really good at what they do. Yeah, I think that like I I understand that Mace fills like the role that is needed, mm-hmm. but with if we're just in universe, mm-hmm. if we're just like we're there, right? And that's the other way to look. It's at like it. it's hard for me to be. I guess. I, I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like Sheev obviously was set up to succeed by, by, by Plagueis and Bane from a thousand years ago and all these other things. But it's, I think that it's so crazy that the, sh- like, I feel like the Sith built the Shroud of the Dark Side around the Jedi, but I feel like the arrogance of characters like Mace Windu are the reason and their pride is like, almost like the shroud's been thrown over the Jedi, but the mm-hmm. pride of characters like Mace Windu are just like holding it down. Like he's underneath the shroud, like, no, this is mine. I'm not letting it go. It's almost like um, he's equally as responsible. I feel like if he was, I feel like if he was a tool of the force, um, if he was a mirror of the force, if he was letting the force use him, obviously there's good to Mace, but like just his character, especially in the Clone Wars, like when Ahsoka's on trial he just is hanging her out to dry. And it's like, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever's going to save face for the council, which really ultimately means whatever saves face for him and for Yoda. Like if Ahsoka has got to be thrown to the wolves, it is what it is. Like, it's just so, it's so weird. There's another character. There's another part in the Shatterpoint book where um, there's this other character and basically they're, essentially related right i don't want to get into too much details in case someone wants to go and read the book or whatever the story was okay but i just i kept getting irritated with mace because i was like this guy's supposed to be the protagonist and this guy's being a total douchebag but um there's a moment where mace windu and this other character who are basically relatives uh have like had hand-to-hand like fist combat 
the guy actually beats Mace Windu because everyone on that planet is somewhat force sensitive. And this guy's like super force sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so they fight, he wins and he beats Mace. And then Mace um, in the midst of that um, basically does all this good stuff that helps the people of the planet. And the guy was, he, uh, it's kind of cool. He speak he speaks to Mace like telepathically. So that's pretty cool. They say that like, if you're not talking to him, he just looks like he's staring at that person and kind of making like grunts and stuff. Cause he's so in tune with the force. Like mm-hmm. he, he reminds me of like a vine bender from avatar. Like he's in the jungle and he's like kind of a local guy and he's just mm-hmm. like protecting the planet. Um, the book was a lot like avatar actually, where, the people are on the planet and they're trying to protect like the jungle and their way of life. And then you have these prospectors who are trying to kill the locals. And mm. uh, Mace is the guy that's sent in there by the Grand Army of the Republic to retrieve another Jedi that's there. And he realizes that the people are hurting and it's like typical Dances with Wolf story. But um, <laughs> this character's like, um, for what it's worth, you um, – because Windu is a family name on, on – uh, I think the planet's name is Corrin. Anyways, uh, he says, you are a tribute to the family name of Windu, and for what it's worth, you're a good man, and I'm glad I didn't kill you. And Mace Windu, who this kid's like a super talented Force character, Force user, and he he's obviously like in his 20s or 30s. Like there's no reason to bring him to the Jedi Temple. He's not going to be a Jedi. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But you could at least be like, I appreciate that. You have to put others first. And the guy's name is Carr. Like, Carr, if you put other people first – and and don't give in to your anger like let the force use you don't use the force let be be a vessel for it like i'm trying to use like christian terms but you know what i'm saying like you know yeah don't don't abuse the power that you've been given by the force like he could have really encouraged him and then left you know what Windu does he says this i can't quote it obviously but basically what he says is you're not a good person and windu is my 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 clan name but i don't claim any family on this planet my family is the Jedi, and I'm going home. And I was like, this guy's just a total bag of 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 turds, dude. Like, he's ultimately the most powerful character that's on this planet. As soon as Mace Windu leaves, arguably the more powerful than Mace while Mace is there, is trying to reach out and, and like bridge the gap and be like, hey man, like uh basically in their native tongue, the Dosh is the family. And so when he says Doshalo, it's like brother. And he's like, I'm glad I didn't kill you, Doshalo. And he's like, we are not Doshalai. Like, we're not family. We're not brothers. I don't care that you spared my life when you could have killed me. You're a piece of crap. I hate this planet. I'm going home. I'm taking a bath. Y'all can all burn. <laughs> like, and it just doesn't make any sense. And it's so crazy in retrospect, this book's going to be, you know, eventually in the next couple of years, it'll probably be 20 years old. And it's crazy how... Even to – and I don't know if he was portrayed as kind of a douche on purpose. I don't know what the deal was or if it was like the loudest voice is the strongest voice and Mace Windu is supposed to be the strongest Jedi on the council. But it was wild how he was so – this book this whole time, and I think it's because I've been exposed to the characters of the High Republic who like mm-hmm. – like you said, even though Skier is literally losing his connection to the Force and it's because he's a Trandoshan. They have this disease where they like kind of go feral. If I was him, I'd be so mad at the force being like, but the force is inside me. Can't you stop this disease, this cancer right. thing that's taking over me? And right. instead yeah. he's like, he has that, like that Joseph experience, right? When his brothers are like, wow, we sold you into slavery. And Joseph's like, but it was for the good because we'd all be dead if I wasn't sold into slavery. And now I see the plan that God had. And it's, it's interesting because, uh, Skier is like, perhaps this was why and like you know yeah. goes headlong and against the nameless so it's just so crazy like what do you think ultimately what do you think it was that gave them this narrow view because because really palpatine is not that he's ever in the right like i, I understand that but what i'm saying is like he saw how far the jedi had fallen and totally used it against them so when he says the jedi have a narrow dogmatic view he's really not wrong like he used the arrogance and the narrow-mindedness and the dogmatic view of the jedi of the time to turn the chosen one against them like how do you think they got to this place characters like mace windu yeah i think um i mean you can look at it kind of like a combination of different things i think one of the things to think about is what a fan george lucas is of greek mythology and i guess mythology in general and you can just kind of think of the jedi as icarus 
You know what I mean? That there's just this great Too close to the sun. hubris that, you know, they couldn't be taken down. You know, they had mm. pushed the dark side. And I think it was just this idea that if a power exists without opposition for too long, I think it just mm. thinks of itself as the superpower. You know what I mean? And so right. instead of like the Jedi that were in opposition to the Sith, where they're like, well, the force is our ally. We need to do whatever we can, you know, to really lean into this thing. And they see like the Sith as the ultimate uh, enemy, they start to become more servants of the Republic. And I mm. think it's just this idea of um, like, I don't know. I don't know if bureaucracy is the right word, but the idea of like bowing down to process and ultimately becoming a servant of other people rather than like a servant of the force. You know what I mean? Right. It's just this, um, I think it's just the idea of taking a gift, right? If we would call it that, that they have this connection to the force, they have this power and they use it basically to serve something other than the giver of that gift. You're, mm. you know, there's a shelf life on that thing. You know what I mean? Right, there right. Was, there was a, an exploitation that they made themselves vulnerable to. And I think it, it really yeah. just was um, almost like a master class put on by the Sith that, you know, if you let them kind of get fat and happy for too long, they're going to start to, you know, right away, they're going to get rusty. They're going to get sleepy. And then it's interesting because like even um, like the typical movie where you have some fat politician or some or like uh like dark knight you know you have the joker that like he he keeps the mobsters happy and then at the end he's like i'm just gonna burn all this money like right. i think the sith were like we're gonna play the long con we're gonna yeah. let you be in control for this thousand years and then when you really think that we're gone it's gonna bite you in the butt i'm yeah. kind of mad sometimes that the plan was so perfect obviously i'm glad that good one or whatever but uh <laughs> It makes me kind of mad that the Sith ruled for like 23 years or 25 years. I, I yeah. There should have been a longer payoff for that, if it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, they were up it's against funny. the force itself and the chosen one. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's it's still funny to think about the fact that the Sith used patience more effectively <laughs> than, the, than Jedi. the Jedi. Right. I mean, we're talking about like what? Like, a, I don't know, 30 generations of Sith. You know what I mean? Well, it's interesting, too, because it's like the hardest thing to do as a leader is to believe and give yourself to a concept or to a generation or to a belief or an idea you. that you don't live out. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. You know, that's the hardest part is like to be a soldier, you know, like imagine you're mm -hmm. in the, you're in the armed forces and you're going over there to defend the freedoms of people you don't know and ultimately be willing, you know, or same for like first responders, firemen or police officers or whatever, like, they're willing to do everything they can so that the rest of us can enjoy the freedom that they're paying yeah. for. And ultimately some of them will die and never, and, and cease to experience the freedom that they're paying for. And uh, I think that's the biggest, like, I don't know, in a way the Sith are like, have this, this selflessness to their belief. Right. Well, but, it all, but there's a lot of times that the evil in the world, even in our world seems like, I don't know, it's kind of hard. Like, you have people who are like like terrorists or like they believe so much in what they're doing that it seems like – I don't know. It's weird. They believe more in what they're doing a lot of times than what the good guys believe in. I don't know. They're willing to just give it up and just die. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very, almost very strange. Um, ironic that uh, <laughs> you know you have this conversation between Yoda and Luke that – the struggle of the masters that someday they're going to be surpassed by their apprentice. And that's the struggle that the Jedi, that the loving, caring, cultivating, you know, like right. All encompassing kindness, ideology group of individuals, that would be their struggle. And at the same time, I mean, I assume because Bane is canon through clone wars that the rule of two, you know, also survives. I mean, we see that in episode one as well, but the idea that, in order to be allowed to go on the apprentice by necessity right. has to surpass the master. Right. It's funny that like, there's this great weakness in the Jedi, which is like the hoarding of power. Hubris, right. Yeah. That, that they would never made admit the to. Sith strong. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting too, because like 
um, I can imagine, imagine like those old cinematic trailers for uh, the old Republic and they finally get back and they take over Korriban and the mm-hmm. young Malgus is like, welcome home master. And then mm-hmm. kills his, his master. It would be like, it kind of reminds me of like in that moment, of course, no one wants to die. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. Cause like almost that Lego star Wars humor where the guy's cut in half and he's like, proud of you. Like, because ultimately the the ultimate thing you can serve the dark side with is either you achieve immortality, yeah, right, which is which is a goal of all Sith is to achieve immortality because they're hungry for power and control. But if you can't achieve it, then it's your job to pass on that desire and that passion, and that strength to the next yeah. generation and believe eventually there will be a Sith Lord that will achieve immortality and the Sith will reign forever. It's just a, it's so funny that the dark siders in a way seem to be so much more, more communed. Yeah, that's yeah. super funny. But um and I was thinking about this. Way. Yeah, it's obviously like yeah, the loophole almost on accident. But, they were almost accidentally more selfless than the Jedi. Yeah. Like it, yeah, exactly like um they accidentally like selfishly throw Jonah into the sea and that's what saves them from the like it's they do like the right a, thing. I think it was like a Christmas special of um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Or what was it? What was uh Avengers? No, 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 no. I know that I messed up. Uh, He-Man and Skeletor. Uh, Masters of the Universe? Masters of the Universe. And Skeletor is like helping these kids. And they're like, oh, thanks for helping us. And he's like, I am not nice. And he like runs off, you know. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> That's funny. It was funny, yeah, like a happy accident, like, uh, yeah. you know, shout out Bob Ross. But it was funny last when we were talking, when I was talking to Finn about Ray and all them, and I was like, who did you think she was? And he was like, I thought she was a Kenobi. Kenobi's the first person that calls out to her. He Not actually us. made a really good, he made a really good point. He said that uh, just because the saber initially belonged to Anakin, it made sense to him that Kenobi would use the saber to call out to Ray because the saber was in Obi-Wan's possession like six times as long as it was in Anakin or Luke's possession I was like wow that's a really good point and it was funny because we seemingly by pure circumstance and accident predicted it right because of this move we I was walked like, out of the theater and I was, I was like, like she's 100% sheave yeah I remember leaving and being like yep that the whole lunge is that's a that's a sheave Palpatine move so and, I'm, uh, I've been playing Lego Star Wars like a fiend and right. I, uh, I haven't unlocked Palpatine yet, but mm. when you play as Kenobi, he does his signature, you know, kind of like wrist twirl with the lightsaber right. when he runs. I'm really excited to see if Palpatine does the signature. The spin move? <laughs> It'd be funny if he made a funny scream like that, yeah. It'd be super fun. Um, so as we're kind of winding this down, um, it's funny, We sp- I'm trying to like talk about this whole moral failure of the Jedi and how it led to the rise of the Sith. But we just ended up pooping on Mace Windu the whole time. I was so disappointed because I read the book and I thought this is like the defining um, book or media that Mace Windu is a part of. And I'm hoping that uh, it's going to open my eyes to the complexity of the character. And I finished it and I was like, what a turd, like literally the last <laughs> chapter, like, it's the last chapter and he's he's back from his mission and he's like, yeah, and Chancellor Palpatine kindly opened up his office for the debrief. And I was like, this guy just doesn't get it. He's blind <laughs> as a bat. And um, and it was funny at the beginning of the book, they talk about the way that Palpatine decorates his office and they're mm-hmm. clearly alluding to like, wow, this is a cool statue. And I'm like, it's a Sith decoration, you dingus. <laughs> but he was saying that he really liked the way that Palpatine decorated his office and yoda said he missed the way that chancellor valorum decorated the place and he's and and freaking windu goes i kind of like it i was like bro this guy could not be more of a moron and then in the last like the closing you know closing chapter like you know every star wars book like the missions ended and then we all talk about what happened the last Mm -hmm. chapter it's like that and um and he's like looking back on it this and this and this and he says uh he said, I can't remember if he thinks it or if he says, it. I think he says it out loud. And he's like, and I mentioned to myself, if I could have saved her, it's an important character. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> if I could have saved her, I would have let the whole planet die. 
And I was like, what is wrong with this guy? Clearly, he's struggling with attachment. Clearly, he's struggling with the dark side. Clearly, he's struggling with complete control. That's why he invented Vapod. <laughs> and um, But to close off, I wanted to get your thoughts on something. I wondered if part of the start of the fall is this bubble, obviously the bubble that the Jedi live within and their politician stuff where they're really getting involved with the Republic and they're kind of like in bed with each other. Um, but I wonder if part of the issue is introduced. Um, I love speculating, but at the end I of the fallen star and in some of these comics, I think it's in trail of shadows, the comic. Um, I can't remember if it's in fallen star, but you've read trail of shadows, right? Where they're mm -hmm. like investigating and they find the yeah. nameless and all that. They have a the um, nice like uh, what's the something Falcon where they have like the jazzy piano solo silhouette. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sidebars. The Maltese Falcon. Yeah, that's the one. Um, oh, that's so funny. Is that what it's called? The Maltese. I think Falcon? so. Yeah. The mo <sighs> crap. I'm rem remembering McGee in the year. It's called the Molting Falcon. <laughs> um, but anyways. Um, there's a part in there where it says until we can figure out what this weapon is that the Nile have that can kill Jedi, we're recalling everyone back to the temple. Mm -hmm. And it's like in the moment of this dire need in the outer rim. Yeah. And it's interesting because clearly by the end of the, 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 the high Republic, the, the Republic is going to end up giving up to some degree on the outer rim because um, the Outer Rim is not in the control of the Republic by the time of the Phantom Menace and Republic credits don't work on me and, you know, mm -hmm. they're no good here and all these other yeah. things. So, and slavery is still happening out there. Like the reach is not out there, you know? And so it's interesting that the chosen one being a slave and having to be rescued by the Jedi, but you can't buy him and his mom. And the mom staying behind because she's a slave. And then even though she's sold into freedom to um, Klee Lars, even though she's sold Khalil? to him, ultimately her being on Tatooine because she's a slave and couldn't leave with Anakin is mm -hmm. what leads to his first big step into darkness. And it's so interesting that slavery being in the outer rim and Anakin being born a slave and all this other stuff that leads to his darkness and his biggest step towards the fall towards Vader is might be because the Jedi of the High Republic want to preserve themselves and don't really trust in the Force when push comes to shove, and they isolate themselves on the Temple until they can figure out what's going on with the Nameless. Have mm -hmm. you thought about that? Do you think that's one of the biggest steps towards the downfall, is this retreat to Coruscant? I actually saw that as an act of humility. Um, I seem to remember there being a coordination with non-force sensitives. And I think it was one for the preservation of the Jedi, especially after like the sacking of that entire Jedi temple. Right. But part of it was we recognized that we're not an asset in this fight. And until we can figure out how to combat it, we need to put people that can, I mean, like a non-force sensitive person could theoretically dispatch that threat fairly easily. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not going to be any terror. I mean, it's just going to look like a thing you shoot it. It's done. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And so I, I, I kind of viewed that recall as, as an act, like a, what I would consider to be a wise action that if, mm. you know, there's nothing they can do to combat this threat, then the wise thing to I do is keep us safe until we can figure it out. And in the meantime, send people that can fight it more readily, yeah. more easily. Um, so I didn't see that as a step towards weakness. I thought that that was maybe an action as a result of them still being fairly on their feet. You know what mm. I mean? Um, yeah. So that's the way could, I saw it at least. Yeah. It could be either one really. I think it, I do agree. It is a, I guess if I, obviously I can't, they're fictional characters and I can't really pick their brain, but I am interested to know, like if the decisions made out of humility I'm a hundred percent on board. I'm worried that the decision was made out of fear because they keep losing Jedi left and right. And I know it's, it's one of those things where it's the right thing because you also want to preserve the Jedi. Cause what good is the Jedi order? If everybody keeps dying. Right. But I wonder if like the rushed decision was made out of fear and preservation, which is an emotion that is based in the dark side. Um, 
you know, it's interesting that like when Anakin's having all these crazy dreams and premonitions, Yoda's like, you have to choose to let go of everything you fear you will lose. Yeah. And the Jedi during the High Republic, you know, the biggest thing that they fear to lose is one another. And so it makes it's very interesting if they make the choice out of humility. I think it's the right call. But I think part of it when I was thinking about it, as I was reading and listening, part of me was going, dude, all these people are in need and you're just going to tuck tail and run like right in the middle of this. Like, what, what what's mm-hmm. everybody else going to do? And ultimately, I guess even if it is the right or a, a decent choice, it ends up costing the galaxy in the end, because clearly by the end of the High Republic, the the outer rim is not going to be under the control of the Republic and all of the slave trade, and all of these things are just going to keep continue forever. And that ends up costing Anakin, his mom, which is like I said, the biggest step towards darkness. So um, I'm interested to see where that goes. I think that they will go back in time to really cement the history of who the Jedi are or who the Roe family is or what the leveler is, what the nameless are. I don't know how long they're going to be in that era, um, and I, I think that they'll jump back. I think it'll be, I think it'll be similar to how star Wars was written. Right. Well, that and I think four, five, six, then one, um, two, three, then seven, eight, nine. I think they'll do high Republic. The first launch phase one phase two will be in the past. And I think phase three of the high Republic will, will almost catch us up to the phantom menace. Yeah. Well, and you have introduced me into a thought, which is in a way it may be the introduction of the fall of the Jedi in that the Jedi have become to be the arm of the Republic. And that if the Jedi have Mm. to be recalled, we think about it as the Republic, not caring about those outer reaches at all, as opposed to let's pull back what I would, what we should consider our ambassadors, you know, the people they're supposed to be, you know, on the keepers of the peace, not soldiers in, in solid, you know, solid minds. And, send in the foot soldiers you know what i mean that would be like right. a genuine that's a really good Republic. point so yeah either either way yeah. they've become so intertwined and uh you know nobody nobody's perfect and i get that but there's a lot of things that have happened in the high republic that i'm like oh crap we're going dark we're going mm-hmm. dark um especially in the case in of Elzar, Star. Man, i sure hope so he was so sick nasty when he was using the dark side of the force i know dude i know and it makes me wonder like it was the same freaking- way Force Unleashed type crap going on in there, man. Well, the, the same way that Ventress doesn't count as a Sith, I wonder if some of these characters will fall dark, but they won't be Sith necessarily. I hope you know so. What I, mean? I want to see That would be really cool. Also, I think something that I really want to know, I'm sure the Acolyte will end up filling this gap once that show comes out, but um, I think sometimes subconsciously we think, okay, cool, so Darth Bane, and then that happens, and then a thousand years later, the Sith are here again as this character but it's not like they cease to exist. And then she was like, somebody's got to pick this mantle up. Like right. there have they're been still happening. There's things going on Sith for a thousand years. They were mm-hmm. not extinct as, as they thought. So anyways, um, very interesting to see. I wonder if the acolyte will, will show us some of that. I, I wonder sure if, so, man. you know, there's rumor of high Republic shows being written. Um, I, as a snob, hope not just because you want it to stay books only. Yeah, I just like, I mean, that's what it was introduced as, you know what I mean? That it was going to yeah. be books and comics medium only. And I think it's kind of beautiful in mm. that way. So I think, I don't know. I feel like it I loses do a lot that, of its power and mystique if it gets like yeah. I do think that TV the, show. the Fabulous Five that started this thing with Justina Ireland, Charles Soule, Claudia Gray, Daniel Jose Older, and Kevin Scott, I think they've done a ridiculously fabulous job of yeah. having five authors contributing to one story and it all feels cohesive. That was the big cohesive. complaint. The big complaint of legends material was like, well, this person's this way in this book. And then they're this way in this book. You know, that was mm-hmm. the big complaint with, with book of Boba was Boba was one way in the Mandalorian. And then he's a different way in book of Boba. And is it the same character? Has he gone soft and all these other things? I think they've done an amazing job. Five different authors who, who write five different ways mm-hmm. and they've done this cohesive story. So if they do end up having a show, whether it's animated or live action, I would hope that there would be like a council, like a freaking round table with those five. And of course we've got these three or four new authors that are coming on. I would hope that that group of five or 10 or maybe closer to 20, once you have the other animators and stuff who have a say in how things have gone or producers because mm-hmm. books and stuff have producers as well. Um, 
I would hope that those people all have a very strong and loud voice that is listened to with how the characters should be made and even how it looks. Like, I think I have a picture in my mind of what the High Republic and the Jedi of the High Republic look like. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it to be like, um, you know, I don't want for it to be a sequel trilogy in the sense that I love the sequels, but you have a character like J.J. Abrams who doesn't understand Star Wars as at a depth that someone like a Filoni has or like the five that are writing the High Republic now have. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have Ryan Johnson who comes in who completely, I think Ryan Johnson could hold his own with anybody we know about talking about Star Wars at length and at depth, but he came in and he, he totally went away from what JJ Abrams had done. And Mm -hmm. so um, cohesion is the number one issue with the sequels. I think individually, all three movies are great. I can watch any of them. I think that the cohesion of the story is the problem that a lot of people have um, and the cohesion of the sequels with everything else. And so uh, if they do end up making a show, I would hope that the voices that have made such a great family of stories would have a very, very um, big part in that. So anyways, um, we'll let you run. Hey, if you guys have enjoyed this, uh, if you think we're completely off base and Mace Windu is the greatest (laughs) Jedi ever, then let us know. You know that could be your favorite your guy. Claim, though. Do substantiate your claim, though. Why is he greater than Plo Koon? The answer is Oof. you're wrong. He's not. Uh, Plo Koon Plo is, is Plo right Plo up Plo. there. Yeah, I love that we got Luke in the Mandalorian, but I also would have been freaking I'd have bored been if we got way. Plo Koon. Yeah. Um, but if you enjoyed this, you guys know the rules. Please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Leave us a hey if you'll leave us a five star um, rating on Apple Podcasts and we'll write us a review. We will read it on air. Uh, the most recent one that I saw it was just a short one called "The Shirt Came Off," and uh, <laughs> so there was no context or anything, but that was pretty funny. But we really will funny. read those on air, and that helps the show get more exposure. Of course, we're still trying to grow this channel, get more people listening to these wild thoughts from the Shift Sanity Podcast. So thank you for tuning in. The Force will be with you always. And remember, the only family you have here is me. (laughs) You guys take it easy, and we will see you next time.